This is the Connection Christian Church Podcast. Thank you for joining us today. Hope this inspires you and builds your faith. Enjoy the message. Hey, good morning, everybody. Thank you for joining us to worship together this morning. Wherever you are, whatever you're doing, uh, I just want to encourage you to focus in on what God is saying to us today and how he's going to speak to us today. It's an important day, I believe. It's an important season. I think what Cody is saying is exactly right, that, that this is a setup, this is a backdrop, right? We, we, we've, we've been filming some things, and, and one of the things that we have is a black backdrop so that whatever's in front of it pops out. And, and I think 2020 is, I agree, 2020 is a black backdrop, right? It, it's contrast. It, it's a way for us to see what is coming. Speaking of contrast, you know, I, I was thinking about things that, things that go together, right? There are certain things in the world that just go together well, like uh, peanut butter and jelly, right? <laughs> Those are, that, that's, that's something that, that goes together. Milk and cookies, these are things that go together. But there are certain things that just don't go together, right? Like oil and water, they just don't mix. They, they just can't, they just can't cohabitate. They just can't, um, be as one. I, I, I googled, you know, fork, um, forks and power outlets. They don't go together. Just keep them apart, right? Just don't go there. It, it's not a good thing. Um, bathtubs and toasters, that's not a good combination. You don't, you don't want any of that, right? Uh, for you techie types, Apple and Microsoft, they just don't seem to play nice with each other, right, in, in a lot of ways. Um, one that I thought of, what actually brought that thought up with me was, you know, we're all wearing face masks right now, and the one thing that just does not go with a face mask is a cough drop. Have you ever tried that? Like, pop a halls in your mouth and then put a face mask on. Your eyes immediately just go, whoosh, right? You just begin to cry immediately because all of that menthol is going right up in your eyes, and it just doesn't work together. It's not a good combination, but... Uh, you, you know, this is, we're closing in on Christmas, we're closing in on the end of this year, we're closing in on hopefully, uh, you know, a, a chapter in our lives that we will be talking about for many years to come. Uh, 2020 will be repeated, oh, you know, we will, we will rehearse this for many years. Remember back in 2020, remember what happened back there, right? And hopefully, you know, that, that's going to be history sooner than later and and we'll be able to move on into what God has for us. And as we prepare for that, as we get ready for that, I think it's important that we be intentional about that. That we be intentional about how are we going to move from here to there? How are we going to move from where we are to where God wants us to go? And how are we going to prepare ourselves for that? It, it makes me think back of uh, Joshua chapter 1. Because they came out of an era that was led by Moses. Everything pretty much, you know, in the, in, the, in the history of Israel for the last 40 plus years, <clears throat> you could probably even go further back and say 440 years because they were in captivity for 400 years. Then for 40 years, they wandered around in the desert um, waiting to get to the promised land, waiting for what was on the other side. And then Moses dies. Moses led them all that, not all that time, but that 40 years he led them, and, 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 then, and then Moses dies. And, and God speaks to Joshua, 
And he tells Joshua, tell the people to get ready. I think, I, I think we are in a Joshua moment right now. We're, we're in one of those moments of we, we need to tell the people to get ready. We need to tell the church to get prepared, to get ready. Now, I know that's kind of a message we talk about all the time and, and, and we reiterate. And, and some of the, sometimes when we're too familiar with a message, it can, it can, lose, its, it can lose its power, right? It can lose its, its, its shock value, its, its jolt to the system. But if we are, if we are intentional to look at this past year, these past months that we've been through, and recognize them as the setup, as Cody called it, as the backdrop, as the contrast to what is about to come. Because what the world would love for you to, to believe is that it's bad and it's just going to get worse. Unfortunately, there are some in the church that want us to believe it's just bad and it's going to get worse. And we're not that church. We are not that church. Because what we believe is that God has a move, that God is on the move, that God has a purpose, that He has a reason, He has a direction. And regardless of how it looks in this world, we have to look at it from a kingdom perspective. Right? Last week we talked about an eternal worldview. We want to have a kingdom perspective on everything that we do, on everything that happens in our lives, on everything that's going on around us. Because if we don't, and we're simply looking at it from a worldly point of view then we're going to look at it without power. We're going to look at it without hope. We're going to look at it because the truth is everything in this world is temporary, right? And, and if it's temporary, that means it's, it's dying. It's going away. It's falling apart. It's, it's unraveling. And we can't get so caught up in that world and miss the true reality of the kingdom of God if which we are citizens. So if we can recognize that we are citizens of an eternal kingdom, the kingdom of God, then we have a hope that transcends anything that this world has to offer. We have a hope that transcends anything that that, uh, the circumstances that we find ourselves in are telling us is going to happen. We don't know what's going to happen. If nothing else, 2020 has demonstrated to us that we have no clue what is about to happen. Amen? <laughs> I mean, we don't know. We can plan. We can make all of our preparations. We can make all of our reservations. We can do all the things that we want. And 2020 came in and said, nah, I don't think so. We're, we're going we're gonna to shift this all around. But see, I think that's what God is doing. I think God is, is, is coming in and saying, listen, all these plans that you've made, all these, all these things that you've built, all these things that you've created, all these things that you have, have learned how to do without me, I'm about to squash those things. We're about to shut those things down. We're about to take all of those things away. And in that transition, yeah, we're going to feel wobbly <laughs> we're, we're going to feel off a little bit we're going it, to it's going to be uncomfortable in that moment but if we will keep our eyes focused right this is why the scripture tells us focus your eyes on the author and perfecter of your faith don't be looking at the things of this world and think that you're going to figure out how to manipulate it or how to work it or how to make it happen because that is not the point the point is we are kingdom people and, in the, and, and as kingdom people, we live according to kingdom principles. And kingdom principles don't look like worldly principles. 
Kingdom principles don't look like the ways of, of this planet and the physical realm that we live in. We live in a spiritual kingdom. We are temporary dwelling, temporarily dwelling in a physical existence, in a physical uh, realm. But in this realm, if we will keep our eyes focused on the King, focused on the author and perfecter of our faith that brings us into this kingdom, now, now we get to live transcendent of the limitations that we see around us. Apart from the fear and, and, and the apart from all of the, all of the questions, all of the uncertainty, all of the, all of the things that keep us off balance. We can lay those things aside when we step into what Christ has for us. What God is preparing for us and, 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 the, and the ground that he, is, that he is plowing up for us to be able to plant into. We're going we're gonna to start a new series today called Unforgettable Christmas because I believe this is going to be an unforgettable Christmas one way or the other, right? One way or the other, this is going to be uh, either the best or the worst of, of Christmases that we have seen. And, and I believe that we have the opportunity to decide which one it's going to be. And, and we have the opportunity to make choices right now, to make decisions right here, right now, today, uh, on this Sunday morning, uh, that, that this Christmas is going to be a Christmas that we are going to go into intentionally. Here's what I know, is that this Christmas is obviously going to be different, but if we follow Jesus' lead, we can make it unforgettable. We can make it unforgettable. So how do we do that? What, what do we need to do to follow Jesus' lead? Well, I, I looked at Scripture and I thought, so where is a place that captures, that encapsulates exactly what Jesus came here to do? Because if, if we just look at exactly what Jesus came here to do and just do that, that will make it unforgettable, right? And, and in, in John chapter 4, there's a spot where Jesus reads from the, from the, the, the prophet Isaiah. And, and this, is a, this is an interesting moment. Because this is a moment where Jesus has just been baptized by John the Baptist. He goes into the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights to be tempted to beat up on the devil. That's what he did, really. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know that he was... I, I mean, I know we say he was tempted... But he didn't give in to that temptation. He didn't fall to that temptation. And so he beat up on the devil in that temptation, right? I was just reminded of that. And, and that's such a good way to understand it. Because Jesus didn't go into the wilderness as some kind of, you know, beggar. Like, oh, poor little me. Or victim, you know, don't, don't, don't hit me too hard. Don't, don't, don't be too mean to me, devil, right? No, no, no. Jesus didn't go into the wilderness with that kind of attitude or with that kind of belief uh, in, his, in his mind or heart, Jesus went into the wilderness to prove, to demonstrate for us what it looks like when we, filled with the Holy Spirit and the power that makes us more than conquerors is, is available to us, how we shut down the devil and anything that he throws at us. There's not one instance where Jesus is being tempted where it's like, oh, well, should I? Could I? Maybe I could. No, no. J Jesus said, thus saith the Lord. <laughs> Jesus said, God's word says, boom, right? 
He swings the sword. That's what he does. Because he's not going in there just simply to be tempted and tested. He's going in there to demonstrate what it looks like to win. To, be in, to live victoriously. And, and it's in that victory, it's in that process that I think we have to realize that Jesus is walking out of that wilderness into His ministry. He's walking out of that wilderness into His plan and His purpose, the reason that He's here, and He's walking in victory. He's not walking in defeat. He's not walking beat up and tired. He's walking restored and refreshed and ready to go and fight. And I believe that that's how we are going to get to walk into 2021. I believe that's how we can walk out of this Christmas season after having victory over the enemy and, and demonstrating that whatever you threw at us, whatever you wanted to, to try to dump on us this year has only made us stronger. It's only made us more courageous. It's only proven that we can do what we didn't think we could do. Amen? And, and if we are living in that kind of victory, if we're living in that kind of posture and moving into our place, then I think we can see an unforgettable Christmas and an unforgettable year to come. In John chapter 4, verse 16, when Jesus comes out of the temptation, it says this. It says, he went to Nazareth. Remember, that was his hometown. He went to Nazareth where he had been brought up and on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue, as was his custum. He, said, he, uh, he stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it was written. Now, I want to point out here that, he is, that, that, that the scroll was handed to him, right? <laughs> the scroll was handed to him, and it was already at this place that he wanted to read. Because God is, God is a sovereign God. We, we just did a series called Sovereign because God is a sovereign God. He has planned and prepared everything that we need already in advance for us. And we move into that by faith. We don't move into situations saying, oh, uh, I wonder how, what, what's going to happen. No, we move in by faith saying, I want to see what God has done already. <laughs> I want to see what God has already prepared in advance for me. I want to see what God is all what path God has already laid out for us to walk here. And I want to live according to his will. And that's what Jesus is doing here. He walks in, he doesn't have to look up the place that he's going to read. It's already there for him. It's already prepared. Verse 18 says this. This is what Jesus reads. The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because I have because he has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. That is the mission that Jesus is on. Now, it's a big mission. It's got a lot of facets to it, and we're going to talk about five of them that, that, that are going to come right out of that. But look at what Jesus says right after that in verse 20. He says, Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him, and he began by saying to them, Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. You see, Jesus looked at it from a past tense, present past tense perspective. Here's a lot of P words for you. What is he saying? This is fulfilled in your presence today. 
right now. Now, here's the thing. Has he already set the captive free? Has he already restored the blind? Has he already broken all? No, in the natural, it doesn't look like he's done anything yet. <laughs> he's just starting his ministry. He just walked out of the wilderness and, and went to the synagogue and read his mission and sat down and he said, today it's done. Today it is finished. Today this is, this is complete. Why? Because when you operate by faith, you don't operate from a position of, I wonder if this is going to happen. You operate from the position of, in the Spirit, this is already finished. This is already done. Whatever it is that God is speaking to you and revealing to you, when God gives you a revelation, that means it's already done in the Spirit. You just now get to live it out by faith. And it's by faith that you cooperate with the revelation that the Spirit of God is revealing to you. And when we do that, then we walk with faith. We walk with victory. We walk with confidence because we know that it's already done. It's already finished. And I just now have to go get to go live it out. So what could I be intentional? What could you be intentional about that will make this Christmas unforgettable? That's the question that we want to answer. And we're going to use the mission that Jesus reveals to us here to, to demonstrate what his mission was. And vicariously, his mission is our mission because we are his body. Right? He is our head and we are his body. Whatever my head decides to do is my body's mission, right? If, if, if I have a disconnect where my head is saying one thing and my body is doing something different, we call that a disease or we call it a disability or, or we call it something that, that demonstrates that it's not working the way it's supposed to. But listen, when the church is doing what the, what the head tells it to do, then we are operating at optimal level. We're operating with, with good hand-eye coordination, right? Because the head is telling the body what to do and the body is doing it effectively. That's what the church does. When Jesus tells us what to do and we do it, we operate effectively and we create a life that is unforgettable. And so what can we do? What can we be intentional about that will make this Christmas unforgettable? As we move into this Christmas season, as we think about the birth of Christ, as we think about the incarnation of Christ, that God came to be with us, Emmanuel, God with us in the flesh, giving us an example and a demonstration of what it looks like to live and walk in the Spirit, and giving Himself up for us as a sacrifice to pay the price so that we could be restored and have peace with God. Have a connection with God where we are not just out here on our own, but we are reconnected to our Creator. And He is now living to us and through us in this world. That's the life that we are meant to live. That's the power with which the church is meant to exist here on the planet. To be His ambassador. To be His representative. To show the world what God wants to do. That's why the church exists. And that's why we are a part of it. So number one, number one, we can be intentional to be a voice of hope and good news. In, in, in the Isaiah passage, it said to proclaim good news to the poor, to be a voice of hope and good news, to be a voice of hope. Listen, you want some contrast right now? Just start being the voice of hope. 
rather than the voice of despair. And you will immediately have some contrast in this world. It doesn't, ta- it doesn't take a lot, right? And the backdrop is already laid of, of hopelessness and despair and, and, and anger and bitterness and all of the things that, that the, the devil just loves to use to make us run, uh, run wild and live in chaos if we simply step into the light and declare hope in Christ. If we declare the good news of Jesus, that God Himself came to be with us to give us an example to live for us so we could see what it looks like and then to die for us so we could have life in His resurrection. You see, God didn't die just to pay uh, the, the price for our sins. Jesus didn't die just to pay the price for our sins. Yes, He did that and He could have stopped there, but He didn't. He rose again and in the resurrection we get to enter into that restored resurrected life. And that restored resurrected life is an eternal life, never to be taken away that's why Jesus is referred to as the firstborn among the brethren firstborn into what into eternal life you you might say well wait a minute he wasn't the first one to resurrect from the dead what about you know um what's what's the guy's name uh Lazarus right he was raised from the dead there were several others that were raised from Peter raised some people from the dead Jesus himself raised some people from the dead you know right but they weren't they died again They weren't born, they weren't resurrected into an eternal life. Jesus was the first one to be resurrected into an eternal life. And now, through his death, burial, and resurrection, we get to, by faith, through grace, we get to enter into that death, burial, and resurrection with him. That's what baptism embodies and demonstrates for us. When we are buried with Christ, we are buried into his death. We are washed clean of our sin and we are raised up to live the new life. And that new life is the resurrected eternal life never to be taken away from us again. It is a spiritual life. And it's that spiritual life that we have the good news for. People people around the world are so concerned about holding on to one more day, one more minute, a few more hours of this physical life. But when we have the hope of Christ in us, this physical life begins to pale in comparison to what God has in store for us for eternity. We can live free from that. We can live free from the fear of that. They say that the two things that people fear the most is death and public speaking. And public speaking beats death in that, like, okay, I, 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 don't, I don't quite get it, but that's what they say. Now, we can't do much about the public speaking fear for you with the gospel, but we can take away the fear of death for you with the gospel because when we are in Christ, we will no longer die. Though he dies, he will not die, right? It's what John says. And, and so when we understand that we have hope that transcends understanding, that doesn't make sense according to this world. Look at 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15. It says, But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Also, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. Now, that assumes something, doesn't it? It assumes that you're living a life that is demonstrating that you have some hope, right? And people look at your life and you're like, 
man, everything is hopeless around here. Everything's falling apart. Everything's coming undone. It's all unraveling, but you still are filled with hope. Why? Live that questionable life that causes people to say, why? Why do you have hope when it's all so dark and bleak and, and unraveling? You have hope because you have a Savior. You have hope because you have life. You have hope because you don't look at this, this temporary place that we are stuck in for the moment. You are looking at it as a mission field. You're looking at it as an opportunity to demonstrate your love and your hope for Christ and, and, your, and your worship toward Him to declare the worship of Him in your life by living your life as a sacrifice to Him, given up to Him. Right? Romans 12 says this is, this is your act of worship to live transformed by the renewing of your minds. So we have hope. We are people of hope. You can put that in the chat. I'm a person of hope. Hope defines my life. Hope defines who I am. And I want people to see it so they will ask me why. Because when they ask me, I have an answer. It's because of Jesus. It's because I'm not stuck in this temporary world. Number two, thing that I can be intentional about to make this Christmas unforgettable. Number two is this, be a source of freedom to those in any type of bondage. The way it's said in Isaiah is this, to proclaim freedom for the prisoners. Be a source of freedom to those in any type of of bondage. How can you be a source of freedom to anyone who is in any type of bondage? How can you be an encouragement? How can you be a resource to people that, that are stuck in some kind of sin or stuck in some kind of situation or stuck in some kind of place? And, and here's what I want you to say. Here's what I want to say about this it is that there is no end to the opportunities of people who are stuck in some kind of bondage. And if you, try to, if you try to fix them all, you will be overwhelmed. If you try to fix them all, you will not fix anything, right? Here's what you do in this. You ask the Lord, Lord, as your servant, what is my part to play in that overwhelming need? What is my part to play in that bondage people might be in bondage financially well you might be able to help them or you might be able to teach them or coach them or direct them and, and, and hold them accountable in a way that helps them lead out of that darkness into light so that they can find freedom financially you might be uh, exposed to someone who has an addiction to drugs or alcohol and somehow you have a way of connecting with them and you can lead them out of that darkness of that addiction there, there might be there's just no end to the possibilities but here's what I want you to know all of them are not yours but some of them are maybe one of them is and and that one is the one where you're going to be able to live in a way that encourages people, that lifts people up, that, that pulls people out of that despair. It, it, might be, it, it might be depression. It might be an illness. It might be almost anything that there is that the devil uses to keep us stuck, keeps us in bondage. And you have a way. Maybe you've been there and done that. 
So, some, most of the time, the things that we can help, the pe- help people with the most are the things that we've struggled with the most. Most of the time, the place that we can have the most impact and the most victory is the place where we have had the most defeat and we bear the most scars. Amen? Because you can go into that situation with hope that you are on the other side of it and you can tell that person, hey, yeah, I I see what you're going through. I know what you, I understand what you're going through. Here are the scars. Here, here, Here are the things that are in me that I went through when I was going through, but I have hope. I have hope because I have a Savior. I have hope because I have an answer. I have hope because God brought me through and if He brought me through, He can bring you through too. Come on. That's what we do when we, are, when we use our testimony. When you use the testimony, the test that you have gone through creates a money, right? I don't know that that's a word, but you get what I'm saying. It creates a story, and that story is your story. That story is what now you use to reach and touch and connect with others who are going through that same test, and y'all both get on the other side with your money. Come on. I don't, that's not real. Okay, anyway, where are we at? Galatians 5. I love this verse. I, I quote this verse at, at least three times a week to somebody. At least. Galatians 5.1. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Christ has set us free. That is the good news. That is the hope that we have. And when we understand that is the hope that we have and we have been set free, it is for freedom that Christ set us free. Freedom is the reason He set us free so that we could experience that. That was what He came here for. That's why He did what He did so that we could be free from the yoke of slavery of sin. That yoke of slavery of sin takes on many, many forms. As a matter of fact, in this particular passage in Galatians, the yoke of slavery that he's specifically talking about is a religious spirit where I think I can do it myself. Where I think I can be good enough and I can do enough uh, charity or I can give enough or I can learn enough or I can do whatever I enough and I don't need Jesus anymore. I don't need the Spirit anymore. And that is a lie from the pit of hell. And that will put you in the deepest, darkest slavery that, that you will find because then you are a slave to yourself. You're a slave to your own good works. You're a slave to you being good enough day in, day out, 24-7, never messing up. And the moment you mess up, the accuser who took you into that mindset and said, oh, you can do it yourself. The moment you mess up, he will come around and say, oh, see, I I knew you couldn't do it. I knew you'd blow it. I knew you'd mess it up. (laughs) Because that's what he does. He's a liar and a manipulator. And you can't buy into that because he is a slave master. But Jesus said, it is for freedom that I have come to set you free. And it's in that freedom that we get to live out the calling and the purpose that God has given to us with the hope that he has poured into us. Number three, it says that it, it, to bring light to those stuck in darkness. In, in the passage, it said recovery of sight to the blind. This is to bring light to those stuck in darkness. There's a great line in that old hymn, um, Amazing Grace. 
I once was blind, but now I see. I once was blind, but now I see. You see, when we come to that moment of realization that I was blind, (laughs) that I didn't see it, that I didn't know what I didn't know, but all of a sudden God reveals, God pulls the scales off of our eyes. He reveals it to us. When, When the Apostle Paul came to his Damascus Road experience and, and, and all of a sudden he's face to face with Jesus and Jesus asks him, why are you persecuting me? Meaning his body, his church. He says, you're, you're, you're persecuting me. And, and all of a sudden he was blind. And they led him on into Damascus and they led him to Ananias' house and Ananias prayed for him and baptized him and the Bible says that when he did the the scales came off of his eyes and he moved from blindness to sight but I'm going to tell you this that he didn't see the world the same way before the Damascus road that he thought he was seeing the world and after that blind moment that that period of blindness when those scales fell off of his eyes I don't think they just restored his physical sight they restored his spiritual sight where all of a sudden he could see the power of the Holy Spirit in his mind he could see the power of the Holy Spirit and the mission that he had been called to and the intentionality that his life now took on and he lived the rest of his days in pursuit of the gospel, in pursuit of what God could do to him and through him and what he could share with the rest of the world. He lived an unforgettable life. And we still live in that today. We still celebrate that today. Every time we read the scripture, we read the book of Acts, we read the, the, the journeys of the Apostle Paul, and we, and we get inspiration and excitement from that because he was living with sight. He could see what others could not see. And he led darkness, he led those who were stuck in darkness into that same sight. And he began to share that with each other. And, and through that uh, sharing of the evangel, the good news, he, he was the evangelist that brought those people into that sight. And as they saw it, they go, to, they went, we go and share it with others to see it. And as we all saw, here we are. Here we are in York, Pennsylvania. <laughs> From, from the Middle East, where the Apostle Paul saw the light and revealed it to others. Here we are as a result of that thousands of years later, and we're here sharing that light, that same light that was given to Jesus, was given to the Apostle Paul, and now we get to give it to others. In John 8, verse 12, it says, When Jesus spoke again to the people, He said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows Me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. The light of life. You see, we're not looking for a light that's going to go away. We're not looking for a light that is just a, a temporary inspiration or a temporary uh, you know, jolt of motivation. No, we're looking for the light of life. The life that lasts. The life that overcomes the darkness and overcomes death forever. Because that's what He does. That's who He is. And when we have Him, we have the light of life. Number four, to be strength to those beaten down by the enemy. In the Isaiah passage, it said to set the oppressed free. Well, what do we do? How do we do that? Well, we do it by being intentional to set to 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 be strength to those who are beaten down by the enemy. Listen, when you're being beaten down by an enemy, 
What are you looking for? You're looking for backup. You're looking for someone to come alongside and help you in that fight. When you're, a, you know, imagine being, you know, a school kid again and out on the playground. If, I don't know if they still do playgrounds in school day, nowadays, but, but, you know, out on the playground, that's where some fights used to happen back in the day, right? And, and if you're in a fight, especially if you're in a fight with somebody bigger than you that you're probably not going to be able to take, what are you looking for? You're like, where are my buddies? <laughs> where are my boys at? I need some help here. I need some backup. Right? I need somebody to come in and, and help me out. And that's what we get to be for each other. When we get to come alongside one another, when we see a brother or sister in a battle with the enemy, what do we do? We don't, we don't create the circle right on the, on the playground. They, they create the circle and watch the show. And everybody sits and watches the show. Oh, I wonder who's going to win this fight. No, no, no. That is not the game we're in. That is not what we're doing in the kingdom. When we see our brothers and sisters in the fight, in the battle, what do we do? We jump in. We jump in the battle with them and we fight alongside them. And, and we recognize that God has created. This is a spiritual battle. That this is, I, I want to read Ephesians 6 verse 10. It says, finally be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. You do that for you on your behalf, and you do that on behalf of others. You put on the full armor of God. You put on all the resources that God has given you, the helmet of salvation, understanding that you're not going to die in this, right? The helmet of salvation is the mark of eternal life. The breastplate of righteousness. Not your righteousness, his righteousness. Because you weren't called to do it yourself all on your own. You're called to wear his righteousness as your shield, as your guard. Right? The shield of faith that, that takes away the arrows. What are the arrows? The arrows are the accusation that the enemy throws at you. The lies and, and, the, and the anger, the bitterness and the resentment, the dissension, the slander. All of those things that he can throw at you that can take you down, that can keep you curled up in a ball somewhere in a corner, you have the shield of faith that says, no, they're not going to hit me. They're not going to hit me because I believe in the Lord. I believe in His power. I believe in His strength. And the feet that are ready with the gospel to take the good news to the enemy's camp. Come on. When the enemy's sitting over there saying, oh, you're all going to die. You have no hope. You're not going to make it. You walk in with the feet ready with the gospel ready with the good news declaring the hope and the power of what God has already done for us it is already finished when Jesus died on the cross his last words recorded it is finished and when he finished it it was finished so the enemy the only thing the enemy has to use against us is a lie that it's not finished yet <laughs> no that's a lie that's a lie because it is finished it is over it is done. My last point, number five, is to declare God's goodness and, and promises for all mankind. The, the, in the passage it said, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And a lot of people believe that that's a reference back to uh, the Le Leviticus passage where he talks about the year of Jubilee. In the year of Jubilee, it was every 50 years, they basically would restore everything back to the families that had... that that had sold them during that time. So it was really a, a massive redemption. That's what it was. 
It was a massive redemption and restoration. And so when Jesus came, Jesus did once and for all what they were doing temporarily every 50 years. Jesus did once and for all the massive restoration and redemption of what the enemy had taken away from us, of what we had sold off to the enemy and forfeited to the enemy. Jesus restores it all and he brings it all back so that we could have a relationship with God so that we could have peace with Him. You know, when we celebrate communion together, that, that's really what it boils down to. Is that when we celebrate communion together, we are celebrating the year of the Lord's favor. Now, it's not a year as in 12 months. It's a year as in an era. A, a space of time. And that space of time is the, is the New Testament, the new covenant, the covenant of grace that we live in right now where we have the opportunity to, by grace, re walk into the favor of the Lord and by faith we receive the salvation. And He restores us. And he replenishes us. And He resources us to be able to take our stand against the enemy's schemes. And he declares the year of the Lord's favor. He says, this is our time. This is our time right here. This is the time that we are here, the body of Christ, the church, to take what the enemy has stolen, to restore what the enemy has taken from us because he has given us all of that. And it all begins with his sacrifice of the body and the blood. So if you want to grab something to help you remember, to celebrate communion together, we, we remember His body. His body that was born here on this earth. We celebrate that at Christmas. And He lived out a life that we get to look back at. We get to see the example of what it looks like for a human being to live filled and resourced by the Holy Spirit as a demonstration of how we are now to live. And he took that body and he allowed it to be nailed to a cross so that it could become the sacrifice. And by his stripes, we are healed and we are restored. I encourage you, receive the body of Christ. On that cross, the life of Christ began to drain out of his body in the form of blood. Because the blood is the source of that life. It's the one thing that we haven't figured out, that science hasn't figured out how to recreate. We can't make it out of anything. We can only donate it to each other. I, I, on the way in here today, I, I, I was listening to the radio and, I, and, it said, and it said, you can give life to another person through your arm. And it was an encouragement for us to go donate blood to the, to the blood banks. And it just struck me that life comes through the blood. And, and it's, I mean, I, 
I shouldn't be surprised or shocked about it. I talk about that every single week, right? Every single week for many, many, many years now. We talk about and it still is an unfathomable thought that the life's blood of Jesus' body dripped down that old rugged cross into the ground of the earth. And through that blood, we have life. Receive the blood of Christ. Listen, if you're listening right now and you have never given your life to Christ, if you're watching us online right now, real time live, or if you're watching years from now, and you just happen to run across this message, I want you to know this is not a coincidence. This is a divine appointment. This is a divine appointment that God has set you up for because He wants you to live in that hope. He wants you to live in that victory. He wants you to live with peace with God. And and He's already done it all. What you get to do is you get to receive it. We'll be giving and, and receiving a lot of gifts this, this year and this season during Christmas. And one of, the, one, of the, one of the most, I don't know, offensive things we could do is for someone to come and, and give you a gift and you say, I don't, I don't think I want to open that. I don't think I want to receive that. I don't, I don't, I don't want that gift. You see, Jesus has brought by grace a gift. And he said, I can give you peace. I can give you hope. I can give you life. I can give you rest- restoration. I can give you redemption. And by grace, he holds it out. And by faith, we receive it. And we take it. If you did that, if, if you're doing that for the first time, you can put it in the chat or email us or find a way to reach out to us. And And we want to help you through that decision and into baptism and into celebrating and becoming a part of the body of Christ because God has a plan and purpose for you. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for this time. We thank you for your word and for the message that you have sent for us today. We ask, Lord, that you would help us to apply it in our lives. That it would not just go through our ears and 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 out into the abyss, that it, that, but that it would take root and that we would do what you have given us here in your word. And we ask, Lord, for any of those who are receiving Christ right now for the first time, that you would just give them an incredible sense of peace and power and your love with us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks for being with us, everyone. Blessings to you. Thank you for joining us. Special thanks to those of you who give to this ministry. Without you, the work we do at Connection Christian Church wouldn't be possible. If you would like to give online, please visit c3christianchurch.com. If you enjoyed the podcast, take a moment and subscribe and please share it with your friends. Thanks again for listening. God bless you.